sure most of you are, are aware uh, today is is, um, is Pentecost Sunday. Um, and I, I guess it's a traditional thing to, to then go and preach on the Holy Spirit. I, I find it hard to actually do that in this forum because I think on a day like Pentecost Sunday, you really want to be with people so they can pray with one another and just lay hands on people and, uh, you know, just just release the anointing on folk. It's a bit hard to do that across across um, across this kind of meeting. But we, we all know three and a half thousand years ago, roughly, just approximately, um, the old covenant was given. The old covenant law was given. And 50 days after that, Israel totally failed in their obedience to that law. Um, and God gave them the opportunity to repent, and some didn't. And we know the story. 3,000 died on that day. But 2,000 years ago, when Jesus enacted the new covenant, um, when he announced it on that, on that Passover weekend, on that, on that last supper, um, he announced the coming of that new covenant. And, it, and he died and he rose again. And then we see 50 days later, which is the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was released, where he fell on that 120 people initially, and we see Peter get up and 3,000 people get saved after he preaches. And that's the difference. That's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3 that, that the old covenant law just was a, was a ministry of death. It brought death because we could never measure up to, to the standard of that law. But the new covenant releases life to us. And um, today we celebrate that. We celebrate the, that covenant of grace and peace. It's a ministry of life and righteousness that comes in Jesus Christ. And it is something that is vastly superior um, to, to what the old covenant was. It's a, it's a relational agreement between Jesus and God that we stand as the beneficiaries of. Um, uh, it's just a great day to celebrate. I know people have perhaps different ideas or expectations of what will happen today and later today. For those of you interested, at five o'clock, um, there's a pray together meeting. Um, you can get on online, just uh, praytogether.com, uh, praytogetherwa.com, and there's going to be a, a meeting that's led by numbers of leaders around the city, just praying over Perth. That's at five o'clock tonight. So you can get on there. I think the details are on our um, on our Freedom Life Prayer and Praise page, so you can get on there. People have different ideas of what revival is, I think. Um, I read this the other day. It was from um, Duncan Campbell. And Duncan Campbell was one of those guys who was quite instrumental in the Hebridean revival that took place. And he said, he said this, I, would, I want to make it perfectly clear what I understand of revival. When I speak of revival, I'm not thinking of high-pressure evangelism. I'm not thinking of crusades or of special efforts convened and organized by man. That's not what's in my mind at all. Revival is something altogether different from evangelism on its highest level. Revival is a moving of God in the community, and suddenly the community becomes aware, aware of God. It becomes God-conscious before a word is said by any man representing any special effort. And, uh, and I think that's so true. I, I think it's when we see, really, it's a change in the spiritual atmosphere and the spiritual climate. So it's not, just, it's not just people in church getting all excited and energized and then 
rushing the streets to try and knock on every door. There is something that shifts in the in the atmosphere, and um, and that's what this is the kind of thing we should pray for that that there's a complete shift in the atmosphere around us, so that people respond to the gospel message. It does require us to go out and actually share it, but it's not this high pressure thing of it comes on us, you know. Um, it, it, it's something that, that God does through us by his grace. So those of you who want to get involved in that, please um, just jump online, have a look at that tonight. Um, you can listen to it also, I think, on one of the Christian radio stations that have got it on uh, as well. All right, so if you've got a Bible, let's turn to Second um, Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1. Uh, we'll just continue with our series that we've been doing. Uh, and Paul says in Colossians 1 and a number of other scriptures, talks about us living a life worthy of the Lord, that we can please him in every way, and that we can actually bear fruit through our life. We've been created to do good works um, that were created in advance for us to do by God himself. Um, we don't come under the pressure of trying to perform. We actually just simply live in the grace of God and allow his life to flow through us. And that, that actually does something. It produces something. We're, we're to live a life worthy. It's a holy life. It's a, it's a God life. It's a Christ life being lived through us. And we saw that one of those definitions, and I think the primary one of holiness, of living this sanctified life, is likeness to God, a life that is like God's. It's, it's his character and it's his attributes being being uh, ministered through us to others. We've been made new creations, not in the likeness of fallen Adam, but in the likeness of Jesus. And that happened as the Holy Spirit came and breathed his life into us. We were born again and we received the nature of God himself. And that's what Peter talks about here in, in, in 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. We've read these verses many times. But it says, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, live in, experience the divine nature of God and escape the corruption of this world. That, 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 that the corruption of this world, it's a fallen world that wants to influence us, influence us and squeeze us and put, a, put us in the, its mold, in its, its desires. But the, but the Holy Spirit came to breathe God's life into us that we can live with the very nature of God. Like that's something that's been given to us. It's come as a gift. It's come through his goodness and through his glory and through his promises. Um, it comes to us by faith. It's us receiving. Now, a gift is almost useless to you if you don't receive it. And so we need to be able to receive. We receive by faith what God supplies to us. Um, we've been given a very great and powerful gift through Jesus. It's, it's, it's not just salvation, but it's the reality of that in everyday living. It's newness of life. We, we are new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And that new is the nature of God deposited within us. Um, it's a new way of living. We, we, we live with a different motive and an impetus and a value system and a different purpose because we've been given a new nature from heaven, a supernatural nature. 
And so that looks like something. Um, it, 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 because it's from God, because it's divine, it's going to look like he does. Um, it, it's something that mirrors him. It's something that represents him. Um, and if it's anything different than what he is like, then it's not his nature. It's, it, it's something else that's trying to actually impose itself upon us and through us. Now, I want to say we, we will always maintain preaching a message of grace in this church, even sometimes when there's challenge that comes. It comes from a platform that we trust everyone understands that we are, we are, we are grounded firmly in the grace of God, that it's not about our performance, it's about his. Um, but that doesn't mean that we, we can just default on what it means to actually be a believer. You know, there are things that only God can do for us. Um, there's, there's things only God can do in us and through us. He, only God can save us. Only God can redeem us. Only God can forgive us eternally. Only God can sanctify and purify us. Only God can give us eternal life. But then there are things that we do in our Christian walk, not to qualify, but just simply to live out that life. There are responses that we make. Um, our salvation is totally complete, but then there are responses that we make. And on a Wednesday night, um, I talked about it, the fact that we are not just a holy people, but we are also a royal priesthood, that we carry kingly authority. Um, but, but I just want to clarify, because if people feel like you're, you're failing, you know, we're not measuring up to what we should do, just, just remember this. I want to remind you again, everything that we teach to inspire or to motivate us is founded upon grace. It's on grace. You know, if our authority to resist the devil, if our authority to enforce the kingdom was based on our performance, there's not a single Christian who would have authority because we don't have authority in our own right. Now, our authority is actually based on his grace and we take that up by faith. And, and but, but, but as we, as we, Get revelation of this, of who we are in Christ. Man, I tell you, that we become dangerous warriors in the hands of the Holy Spirit when we understand who we are. Um, and that's part of the nature of God. That's part of that divine nature of God flowing through us so that, so that the pressures that come from this world and the, and the value system of this world doesn't impose itself on us because we can stand up against that with authority. Um, so there's something that's active um, that needs to take place in our life, and that is the ongoing, continual transformation into the image and into the likeness of Jesus in ever-increasing measure and dimensions of his glory. So how does that happen? Well, I think Paul, Paul tells us that that really happens it's, it, as, as we surrender our will to his will, that he's given us a divine nature and that nature is available to us as we surrender to it. But it's only as we surrender to it does it become evident in our life. Only as we receive the gift of his nature does it produce in our life. Um, so let's go to, go to 1 John um, chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. We're going to look at a couple of things there. What, what, what's the nature of God like? Um, Paul talks about what the kingdom's like. He says in Romans 14, I think it's verse 17, that the kingdom of God is not a matter of what you do in the natural, not a matter of you what you eat and drink and 
you know, all of those things. It's, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And the kingdom of God um, is the nature of God in practical reality. So the nature of God is that he is holy. He is absolutely righteous. And so when we live in the reality that he has made us righteous, what happens? His nature becomes evident in our life. He is, he, he is absolute peace. God is never frazzled or worried or anxious. He is living in absolute peace because he is, he is perfect peace. And so when we live in the security and the safety and the protection and the provision and the comfort of, of who he is and allowing that nature to flow in our and his nature be evident in our we don't get frazzled and anxious and worried about every little thing but we allow his nature to flow through us. He is absolute joy. He's supreme happiness, delight and fulfillment. And, we, and when we live in that joy, when we understand how happy God is about us, then his nature becomes evident in our life because we live joyous. Now he's totally holy. He's totally righteous. He has given us that righteousness in Jesus, imputed to us as, in, through salvation, through justification. And he has given us his security and his eternal life. And that brings us peace. And that, that should outflow through our life. It should cause us to live from a place of joy. If there's no peace in our life, if there's no joy in our life, if there's this continual feeling of guilt and condemnation, of never measuring up, then, folks, the nature of God is being stifled and limited in our life. And that's something that we have to actually rise up against and say, devil, you're not gonna, we're not going to believe your lives and we're not going to allow this world to, to stifle the reality of God in our life. We take authority over that and we are going to allow the spirit of God to flow through us. And so his, his nature, his nature, we, we looked at last week, the very first fruit that Paul talks about, and the very first thing that the nature of God is that gets revealed to us is his love. That, that's, that's the essence of who God is. God is love. He loves us not because he chooses to do that. He loves us because that is the essence of his very being. He loves us because of who he is. So let's have a look here. Um, 1 John chapter 4, and uh, we'll read from verse 7. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love amongst us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. But the, whole, the, the nature of God is love. But, but the reality of living in the fullness of that nature is not something that's automatic. It, it, it's actually a process. It's something that we receive. And, and then it's some, once you've received it, then it's something that we do. God has given us tremendous gifts. Gifts that enable us to live that divine nature. Um, the gift of, of, of forgiveness and adoption and and access into his presence and, and the Holy Spirit and, 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 and the gift of eternal life and, and his anointing that remains on us. These are all incredible gifts that are, that are there to help us live as believers 
and to minister his love effectively to others. Um, and it's that, that's what causes us to be fruitful in our life. So we see here the, the, the kind of fruit that, that, that God wants us to actually begin to produce. You can't do it. It happens automatically through your life as you allow the love of God to just flow over you, understanding how much God loves you and accepts you. Um, so verse 11 says this. It says, Dear friends, since God, also, God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now, that's not always an easy thing to do. Um, but when we rely on the divine nature in us, Man, we, we actually can do it. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us. And his love is made complete in us. What's the evidence to those out there that we're actually in God? What's the evidence of his, evidence of his life in us? It's the way that we love one another. We know that we live in him and he is in us because he has given us of his spirit and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to the Saviour of the world, to be the Saviour of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. So we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. That's a powerful, powerful verse. In this world we are like him. Why? Because his spirit is in us. We've been made perfect. We've been declared righteous. But he has poured his love in us and that love changes us. Verse 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Verse 20, if anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, but, he has, but whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Now, a lot of people get kind of a bit graunched up with that verse and think, well, if I'm not loving everyone perfectly as the way God does, that means I'm not a Christian. It's not saying that at all. Um, remember that the, the life of God flowing through us, it's in you, but the life of God flowing through you has to do with how much we are willing to surrender to the Holy Spirit's life being lived for us. As we surrender our will to him. Um, we all have a choice. You can hate someone if you want to. It's actually a choice you make. And that's why forgiveness is such an important thing, that, that we don't hold grudges against someone because it actually stifles the love of God flowing through us. And an evidence of, the, of, of actually loving someone is our willingness to forgive someone when we get hurt by them. Um, and so the love of God flowing through us is, is produced as we surrender to the Holy Spirit. Paul, Paul talks about it as being walking in, in the Holy Spirit, keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. So in Galatians 5, he talks about um, living by the Spirit, um, living by the divine nature that you have received. And he says this, if you do that, if you live by the Spirit, you won't gratify the desires of the simple nature. You won't allow that old life to come creeping back in to control you. Um, in Galatians 5.22, he says, the fruit of the Spirit, that which is naturally produced 
as we surrender and receive the nature of God is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Um, and so, so those are the things that he produces through our life. Um, so how do I stay? How do I stay in step with the Spirit of God? Surrender to his purposes. Just surrender to his will. Receive the gift of God um, and the gift of his nature and his enabling power so that we can walk in that authority. And when we do, then supernatural fruit gets produced in our life. But we cannot produce genuine love without first receiving it. I talked a bit about that last week. But it's not just any love. It, it, it's not love in human terms. It's not earthly affection. It's deep, spiritual, perfect, unpolluted, undiluted love. That's the love that God loves us with. And it can come from only one source, and that is God himself, because he is love. Romans 5, uh, verse 5 says that God has poured out his love into our heart by the Holy Spirit. And if God has poured that love into us, he wants it to be poured out through us. So when we see, when we see aspects of love flowing out of us towards others, or towards other people, then that's an aspect of the nature of God. That's the very essence of God himself. Unadulterated, pure, wholesome, spiritual love operating in our lives. But we need to have a biblical view of that love, um, not a cultural or social or world view of what that love is. And so, and so when, when God talks about love, when, when the Bible talks about love, it talks about a particular kind of love. You know, in our English language, um, we tend to have just one word for love, and that's, that's love. The Greek language has a number of different words for love. Um, but the love, but the, the word that's used when it's talking about God's love is agape love or agape love, depending on how you want to pronounce it. It's, it's pure love that flows from God himself. It's unselfish. It's generous. It's inexhaustible. It's it's undefeatable. It's, it's, all, it's a love that always seeks the best for others. Um, a, a definition of it would be that it's a, a caring commitment in which, in which affection and delight is shown to others. It's grounded in the very nature of God himself. It's a demonstration of his love, um, which, which we see in the, in, in the death and, of, of Jesus. It, it, it's the nature of God, and it's the greatest of Christian virtues. Um, it's essential for our relationship with God and, 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 and our relationship with, with, with one another. But loving, loving people is the greatest thing that we can ever do. Uh, we were talking as a leadership team yesterday uh, about a few things, and, and, and one of them, we were just kind of, one of the one of the things we're talking about is just the danger of comparing ourselves um, with some of the great heroes uh, through history, heroes in the Bible, or he great men and women of God, and we want to and we want to look at them, their lives, and learn from them. But we but it's a danger to start comparing ourselves to them because we think if we can't reach that level, then we start to feel as though we are failing. Folk, I think one of the greatest things that we can do that actually 
is, is a life of success is the way that we love one another. And maybe that's just two or three people. Maybe that's just a group of five or six or 10 people that you have in your close circle of friends. And the way that we love them, God looks at that and he says, hey, you know what? That's success. That's, that's the kind of ministry that I want to see released. Let's have a look here at um, perhaps the best known portion of scripture regarding love. And it's, it's 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. So you can just turn there. Paul's talk has been talking about um, spiritual gifts in the church and everyone wants to have their own personal gift. But he says, you know, you can have all of those great things that make it, make your ministry look impressive to others. But he says, if you don't have love, if it doesn't flow out of love, then it's all just useless. He says it's just, it's just a noisy gong. So first, first Corinthians 13 and verse 1, he says this, I'll show you the most excellent way. I'm going to show you a better way. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm just a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I'm not, I'm, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. Isn't that, I mean, it's just, it's quite confronting few verses there. He's saying, man, you can have, you can have spiritual tongues. You can have supernatural tongues. But, it, but, but if you're not flowing out of love, if you're not actually giving them in love, if you're not giving, you know, a prophecy in, in, in love, if, if, you're not, if you're not displaying supernatural knowledge or supernatural faith in love, if you're not, if you're not generous in your giving because of, because of love, he says, you, 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 it's, it's nothing. It actually means nothing. Um, Paul says in Galatians 5, he says, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So you can have great faith for something, but if, it's, if the motivation for expressing that faith or wanting something to happen isn't because of love, then he says, mm, it's a bit of a selfish attitude and it's actually not going to achieve what you're hoping it will achieve. It's why we say all the time when we... When we go to places like the expo and we're praying for people for healing, you know, we're not, we're not wanting to see someone healed as a notch on our belt. Everything we do in ministry at that place is always done because we want people to have an encounter with the love of God. That's the most important thing. So Paul goes on um, and, he, and he says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil, it rejoices with the truth, it always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Love never fails. Sometimes we can feel like we're failing in ministry, but folk, if it if it's coming out of a heart of love, it never fails. It never fails. It may not achieve what we think it should achieve by human standards, but I want to tell you when it comes out of love, it never fails. Verse 13 says, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. 
businesses can fail, politicians can fail, economies can fail, sporting idols fail, even you know, even our faith can fail, but love never fails. Love never fails. Four categories of love we just we just looked at there. Four things in love. Love is patient. Love is patient. We get frustrated with people. I've just got to take a backward step and I'm going to say, hang on, that's not the love of God. That's not an expression of the love of God. I've actually just got to take a backward step, take a breath. When you get impatient with yourself and you start getting down on yourself and heavy on yourself, condemning yourself, that's not an expression of the love of God because he's not doing that to you. That's coming from somewhere else. Love is kind. Love rejoices in truth. You know, it, 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 it saddens, when, saddens me when people delight in actually um, spreading half-truths about people, gossiping. You know, I get all excited. Oh, have you heard the latest about someone? You know, and, and often it's either a total lie or it's a half-truth. That's not rejoicing in truth. That's not, that's not what love does. It says love is not envious. So love is patient and kind and rejoices in truth, but love is not envious and boastful and proud and rude and self-seeking. So, so much of the love that we can experience from people at times, maybe we even make this mistake, is that the love that we give has got a hook in it. We, we, we love so that we can get something back. You know, that, that's self-seeking love. Um, it's not easily angered, you know, and, and some of us, me included, sometimes we lose our temper easily and quickly. <laughs> that's not an expression of the nature of God. I've just got to check myself straight away and say, ah, that's, that's, that's not God's nature flowing through me. Um, I, don't want to, I don't want that thing to control me. But love always protects. Love always trusts. Love always hopes and, 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 and perseveres. Love never fails. It's enduring. It's, it, it's not fragile. It doesn't, it doesn't run at the first sign of conflict or difficulty. And, and how many times do we do that? We have, have some disagreement with someone and then that's it. We kind of blackball them and we ban them and then they're out of our life. And, you know, we, while we do need to be careful with, that the kind of people that we surround us with ourselves with, especially those that we take counsel from, man, we, we don't discard people because we have one little altercation or one little difference. That, that's not love. No, love, love is not that fragile. Love is powerful. Love is strong. Love, love never fails. Um, you know, sometimes we, we, we confuse being spiritual with other things. We, we confuse spirituality with religious terminology. So the, the more religious terms I can use, the more religious speak I use, um, the, my, the more I, I can pray publicly and preach and prophesy or my ability to recite and quote scripture or, you know, um, my my ability to witness with boldness and with fearless aggression, and we we kind of 
so many times people think that that's, that's being spiritual. I, I sometimes wonder how God measures our spiritual temperature. You know, we think sometimes to have a successful meeting is to, risk, is to reach some crescendo in praise. Uh, and I can be guilty of that sometimes, you know, or, or wanting that, you know, that we should praise God and worship him with all that we have and we should be expressive. And, and, and that is true. But I don't think that that is the main thing. That's, that's not how God measures our spiritual temperature. I think God is far more interested in where people love today. Did that person feel loved? Did they... Did that visitor feel welcomed and received as they walk through the door? Do, do, do people feel loved? Do people feel as though, hey man, some, uh, there, are, there are people here who have got my back, who are going to support me no matter what happens. I, th I think God is far more interested and he takes our spiritual temperature in those terms than he does in a lot of the other religious activity that goes on. And I think that's something that we, I think, soberly need to actually just just look at in reality for our lives. Not getting heavy, just just. And I said that this this lockdown period, one of the things that I think God is doing through it, um, is that He's getting us to reassess some of the things that we do normally in our in our um, Christian lives, and certainly what we do in in, in meetings that there can be a lot of superfluous, fluffy stuff that we think is impressing God. And he's going, why are you doing that? He's interested in, is my love actually being expressed today? Is my love flowing through you and in this meeting? He is love. And, and, and the primary thing that he wants to have expressed in people and through people is his love. Someone once said this, love is listening when others are speaking. Listening when others are speaking. Love is overlooking petty faults and forgiving all failures, even when you've been hurt. Love is, is valuing other people for who they are. Love is expressing affection and appreciation in a practical way. And uh, we don't have time today. I would love to have been able to get into some of the practical ways that we can actually express love. And it's one of the things that I'm going to ask us as a church to begin to consider and start to brainstorm is that when we come back, or at least when, when things start to get back to some sense of normality, is how can we as a church collectively do something practical in our community to express God's love? Um, I, I really, I'm, I'm desperate for us to do that. I don't want to just jump at anything. I want it to be something that God speaks directly to us as a church to do. Um, I think one of, the, one of the mistakes many churches make is they see someone else doing something and, and, and so the automatic thing is, okay, let's duplicate that because that looks good. Um, I don't want us to do that, no matter how good something might be. I want us to hear what God has for us and what he wants us as a local church to do. But I really do want us to look at 
What is, what is a practical thing? What is one key thing that we as a local church can actually put our energy and some resources behind and some time behind um, and some personnel behind that, that really does minister effectively into our community? And so I want you to start praying about that. I want you to start thinking about that um, so that we can... We can't just, we, we're not just a church that gathers together on a Sunday for a happy clappy. We, we are actually people who are active in our community making a difference. Why should we love? Why love? Well, I think scripture gives us a number of, of things and some of them are commands simply because God commands it. You know, Jesus said, I want you to love people. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God. And in the same way as you love God, I want you to accept yourself for who I've created you to be. But then I want that to flow through you so that you can love other people. It's actually a command. It's not an option for us as believers. Um, we love because we are known by our love. People will know you by your love. Um, love strengthens our fellowship. When you receive the love of God, your relate your your fellowship with God becomes stronger when you love when you're loving Him back in response. It's a love response. It, it's a response, and, and you be you you have more confidence to come into that intimate place with Him. Love releases the blessing of God to other people. Love love uh, promotes sacrificial service towards others. We we love out of our heart, out of our of a motivation that we want people to be touched and experience the love of God. And, and the reality is it's love wins the world. Love wins the world. What, is, what does love do? Let me just finish with this because I, I won't have time to get into all of the other stuff today. But what does love do? Love, what does love do? It releases life. And if you're taking notes, just write down. I've got some scripture references for these. So you can write these down. I didn't give them in, in the other notes, but you can write these down if you like. Love releases life. 1 John 4 verse 9. It releases the life of God. Number two, love releases the presence of God. John 14 and verse 23. Here's one. As much as we are not under the law, how many of you know that the law is actually still perfect? We're not under it. Trying to obey the Lord we, doesn't qualify us. But love actually fulfills the old covenant law. As we love people, you know, it's, it's an interesting verse when, um, I can't remember where it actually is. I think it could be Romans. It might even be the one I've given, which is Romans 13, 8, where, where Paul says, um, the law is fulfilled in us through Christ. And I think that has something to do with this, is that, is that as, much as, as much as we're not under law, as much as trying to obey it doesn't qualify us, um, there is reality that there's a lot of good stuff in the law because it's actually the nature of God coming out, you know. Um, and he says the law, the old covenant law, is actually fulfilled in you through Christ. Um, love, number four, releases complete joy. John 15, verse 9 to 12. It releases the joy of God through our lives. Uh, number five, love enables us to know God better. 1 John 4, and verse 7. 
And we read this earlier from 1 John 4 verse 12. It says, we are made complete in love. The more we live in the love of God, the more we receive it, the more we understand God's love for us, totally accepted by him, then, then we start to live with a fullness in our lives. You know, Paul writes in Colossians that we have been given fullness in Christ. You already have it. But then in Ephesians, he says, he, he, he exhorts us to grow up into the fullness of Christ. So you've been given fullness of Christ, but the reality of it manifesting in our life, that's something we grow into. And so we are made complete as, as we live in the love of God. The more we understand it, the more we receive it, the more we revel in it, the more we experience it, it personally, then, then the, the more we are like Jesus, the more we become like him, and the more of that love flows out through our life. Um, love destroys all fear. I don't know what number we're up to. Um, but love destroys all fear. 1 John 4 verse 18. And then the last one is this. Love keeps our minds focused. Colossians 3 verse 1 to 20. Paul is all talking about keeping our eyes set on things above. Setting our hearts on things above. And he goes on the, and, and talks about something of what that is like and how we can experience that in our life. Love keeps us focused on Jesus. And that's true. God's greatest expression of love to us is Jesus. And Hebrews 12 says we had to fix our eyes on him, keep our eyes on Jesus. But we're not trying to produce anything in our life by our own strength. It's the love of God and it's that it's his nature flowing through us. But the, the limitation that we often see in our lives, the limitation of that nature flowing through us is, is we don't fully live in his love towards us. We, we can still live with some doubt of, um, God must be upset with me today. No, he's actually always, his favor is always towards us. His love is always towards us. So, our time's gone. I'd love to go through a whole bunch of stuff on, on practical expressing um, love towards others. We might look at that next week. So I hope that's helpful, folks. It's just refocusing our, our lives again, our, our eyes again, our hearts again, back on how much God loves us and he's wanting his nature to flow through us um, with expressions of his love. He loves you. He absolutely loves you. And uh, as we prayed last week, man, if you're still doubting with that, if you're struggling with that, just go back, have a look at some of these, some of these scriptures. Get an understanding again of how much love, how much God really, really loves you. So we've got, we've got, uh, I think, an exciting announcement um, for those of you with us today. Um, as, as many of you would have heard on Friday, Western Australian government uh, made an announcement that they've actually brought forward the uh, the sort of phase three, I think they've called it, that it's just slowly unlocking all of all of these lockdown stuff that we've had, and um, they announced a, a couple of weeks ago that people could meet together in groups of twenty. Um, that would still be quite restrictive for us and and quite expensive for us to do at the youth centre, but. On Friday, they announced 
bringing forward of stuff that was meant to be uh, looked at slowly releasing at the end of the month to next week, which means that we can gather together as a group of 100, which means in effect from next weekend, we could potentially start gathering again, together again on Sundays at the youth centre. And I think that's very exciting. That's, that's really, really good news. Um, we, we are going to be talking with the youth centre this, this coming week to see just what their requirements are because we haven't heard from them whether they're going to open the place up immediately. But we are hoping that we're going to be able to negotiate with them so that we can do that. Um, so we won't do it next weekend um, because we still need to put a few things in place and, and get things organised. But we are hoping at this stage um, that we can get back together from the 14th of, of June, which is just a fortnight away. So make a note of that. Um, we'll let you know. We'll keep you informed as to what's going to happen. Um, but that's what we're hoping for. Um, if it isn't that weekend, certainly we're going we're gonna to really push for the, the, the weekend after that. But hopefully the 14th. Um, there will be some practical things that we're going to have to abide by, um, you know, still need to have the spacing between us. We won't be able to have food or tea or coffee and those kinds of things for our first uh, meeting back. Um, we probably, as much as I'd love to be able to have communion, we probably won't be able to do that on that first weekend back. Um, but at least it's a, it's a huge step forward because I know one of the things that, that I think we've really missed, and as much as this has been good to, to at least be able to connect together this way, one of the things that we've really missed is being able to just get together to worship God together. And that is something that I think we're going to just really enjoy when we're able to get back together. Just one another's company, physical, you know, closeness, and be able to see people face to face, and then just be able to worship God together. So that's what we're trusting for. Um, there is a reality that comes with this, uh, and that is this, is that um, I understand everyone has been under, under pressure over these last, you know, almost three months now. Um, but one of, the, one of the things that has happened that has hit us is that our level of giving has really, really plummeted to um, a very low level. For us to, to get back into the youth centre, that we have the reality is that we've got to be able to cover those costs. And so that means that our, our giving needs to go back up um, from day one when we're back there to be, able to be able to maintain our presence there. Otherwise, it's just going to be pretty much impossible for us to stay there for any, you know, uh, any length of time. So that's just a practical thing that we're all, we're all in this thing together. We take ownership of it together. That if we if we really desire to be there in that place together as a church, then together we carry the responsibility of that. But it's exciting news that, that the potential is there for us to be able to get back together. So I'm certainly looking forward to that. So God bless you guys. Um, have a wonderful week. Um, we will get together this Wednesday night just for a short thing. It will be much shorter than, than perhaps what we have been doing the last few weeks. Um, uh, and part of that will just be to try and give you a little bit more information as to how we move forward and we will pray together and talk about a couple of things, do a short study on something. But um, So Wednesday night and then, uh, and then Sunday we will do another Zoom meeting here 
and hopefully the following week be back in the youth centre. All right, great. Bless you all. Wonderful to see you all. Bye.